Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And we are back on this journey. We had took a couple of weeks off, but it's good to be back with my people and amongst my people. I missed you guys. But before we get started, I'm going to do what I do, let you know how you can uh, participate with us or participate in the show. If you would like to participate in any way, we are on social media. We're on Instagram at Road to Damascus podcast, as well as Twitter uh, at Road to Damascus with the number two. Or you can reach us via email. That's Road, the number two, Damascus, Road, the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. We would love to hear from you. Any show topics, any feedback, anything you'd like to do. So without further ado, let me introduce the people that's going to help me uh, navigate this ship today. Let me start with the lady directly in front of me, the one and the only, the rabbi. Say what's up, rabbi. How are you? What's up, everybody? Good to be back. Get the, that, that, that loud round of applause. Uh, Lauren is not with us today, so... Uh, the person who's sitting in her chair is our returning champion from last week. Say what's up, Pooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, you gonna be you gonna be a little you just too cool for school for us, Pooh. Hey yo. <laughs> and of course, my main man who uh, me and him just got into a shouting match before the podcast started. <laughs> my my little brother, but I love him to death. Say what up, Steph. What up, dog? Good, 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 good. So, uh, <laughs> so we have for the listeners that's listening out there. We have uh, I have a list of topics, a bunch of them, and I've sent some in our little group chat of things that I want to talk about. But we've been off for a couple of weeks, and a lot has happened the last couple of weeks, and I felt as though I would be remiss and not doing my job, what we're supposed to be doing in this podcast, if we did not use this episode to address all of these into one brief topic. And the topic that I had sent to them was uh, community versus chaos. And I got that uh, headline or that subject matter from Martin Luther King. Um, the last book he wrote before he was assassinated or murdered was community of chaos, where do we go from here? And it talked about this was right after the civil rights passage of 1965, as well as the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The Fair Housing Act did not pass until after he was uh, murdered. So he was just speaking about the things that he was beginning to see within the community and what we needed to do as blacks, what we needed, what whites needed to do for allyship things like that. And I would recommend if anybody who's listening wants to buy that book it is a great book. It's uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's last book. And it was his least popular and least selling book, but it is probably the, in my opinion, the best book that he wrote. But um, what we've seen, and and I know you're probably listening thinking, well, what, what does this got to do with church and how does this affect? Don't worry. We're going to let you know. And this is where I see it for the last two years. The church as a whole, um, no matter what side of the aisle you fell on, was very vocal about getting into the political realm. And they wanted to get into the political realm at the um, 
behead, at, at whether the congregation was used to it or not. Churches where pastors had never been political begin to become political. Uh, churches who would never talk about social justice issues begin to talk about issues about politics where they had never even talked about social justice issues. We're talking about predominantly black congregations where they felt like they were being pushed in a direction who to vote for, uh, what their political views should be and why they should be this way. And then I, you started to hear people would bring up um, issues of, well, we're, we're, we've never talked even about social issues and with us being black. And why don't we talk about those things? And then you started getting pushed back where the church said, don't support black lives matter, the organization, because they're against the, nuclear family and things like that. And people say, well, even if I don't support black lives matter as an organization, what about their slogan? What about what they're trying to do? Black people, men, women, Brown men, women are being killed in the street by law enforcement and things like that. So it, it, it all has been culminating in pretty much this last year where we had uh, started with a Maude Arbery, Maude Arbery turned into Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor led to, George Floyd, which led to the um, the outpour last summer of all of these protests. And then um, that trial has started. So with that trial started, then what do we have? We had just in the, this week alone, starting Sunday, we had the video come out or this past weekend with Lieutenant Nazario, the Army lieutenant who was pulled over and accosted by the police. Then you mix that with Dante Wright, who was killed 10 miles away from George Floyd, um, where his trial is taking place. Then you had a mass shooting in a, in a school in, I believe, Tennessee. Then you had another mass shooting in Indianapolis. Then you had um, uh, an incident in Columbia, South Carolina, where uh, an Army drill sergeant, accosted a black young man in his neighborhood who was just walking through the neighborhood and he told him he didn't belong. So, and then you had the video come out on Thursday of Adam. I don't know if, I don't think it's pronounced Toledo, but it's spelled Toledo, but them being um, um, Latin descent, I think is pronounced differently, but you saw him 13 year old who was shot and killed in Chicago and things like that. So all of this come out and happened this week. So it, it's been a crappy week. And I know I went on that long um, filibuster <laughs> style rant, but just trying to get the people who are listening to know how are we going, what we're talking about and why these, um, this information is important because at the end of the day, the thing that has been the loudest to me has been the silence of the church for two years. There was major information debate about, the presidential race, who you should vote for, why we should vote this way, why we should support this candidate. And no social issues like these were ever being talked about. The presidential race is over. And guess what? These same issues that were plaguing us before the presidential race are still plaguing us after the presidential race. And just because the preferred candidate you may have had did not win does not change the fact that there are still some issues that need to be addressed and we're not addressing them. I know I talked for a long time. I know I was long winded, but I just needed to get that all out. So, um, Shonda, I'll let you go ahead with your opening statement. I, I, 
I'm so angry. I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I think in one of the previous podcasts, I mentioned an African proverb that says, a child not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And it seems like from Emmett Till backwards, all the way up to Dante Wright and forward, the climate is set now for fires to blaze from the East Coast to the West Coast. The silence of the church is deafening because we became so political and yet refused to be social. A body dealing with issues that concern people, refusing to address social issues that concern those same people. It's troubling to me. It reminds me of Pilate's wife in the Bible who had had this dream of, of Jesus being innocent. She had never met him, but she dreamed he was innocent. And she actually took her hands and put them in a bowl to wash her hands, to somehow absolve herself of the responsibility of defending an innocent man. And it seems like the church is somehow washing their hands to absolve themselves from dealing with social issues. And that's a problem. We should be speaking. We should be crying loud and sparing not. We should be... Um, speaking out for righteousness because the Bible does actually instruct us to get involved in social issues and injustices. And just in case you're wondering where it is, Isaiah 1 and 17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Micah 6 and 8, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. So why are we not doing it? Amen. Steph? Yeah, so everything that Shonda just said, I agree with 100%. Um, right now, um, it would be wrong of me, and I'm not really into, like, the politics and everything, and Brock knows this. Um, I'm not really into But that. I wouldn't really consider this a political issue either. That's but See, that's what I'm trying to address, because a lot of people would say this is a political thing. Uh, politics is politics that this is not a political thing this is actually a social issue and Shonda, Shonda just stated that herself the church has gotten so involved in politics and not social issues the only social issues that people get involved in is is making sure somebody's belly's full that's typically <laughs> what it is I drove by a lot of places today and a lot of people had uh free food free groceries right it was a ton of those today that's probably as far as the church will go for social issues is making sure people's bellies are full. But it goes a lot further than just making sure everybody's full. You know, it goes as far as are the people in the community safe. How, how are these people feeling? You know, not just not just food. It's, it's more than just food. It's about comfort. And not everything is going to be comfor comfortable, you know, because I'm, I'm convinced that being in God – Comfort is not a necessity. It's a desire. Peace is a promise, though. Right? So with this whole issue that's going on right now, um, it's very hard for the younger generation to be able to um, take their, their anger and to uh, direct it towards something positive because they're not giving anything positive. So the first thing that they do, they start to riot, they start to loot, they start to do certain things like that because that's acting out of aggression. It's like tantrums. When you were a kid and unless you were told 
that's not okay. The first thing you did to try to get your way is what? Scream and cry. And you go on a tantrum. Right. And that's the exact same thing we see right now. We're not giving the youth any direction. And now we have those issues to where it's rioting, it's looting. And people are, oh, this is going crazy. That's not how you solve issues. Well, what are you doing to help that be resolved or solved for the long haul? Not just a short-term thing. You know, we can do the signs like we did last year. There, we went to a uh, uh, um, Black Lives Matter march on Bell Isle. We went to a march, yeah, on Bell Isle. You know, I couldn't win anyway. It was us three brothers. Right. <laughs> what was like, it was, it was right. it's whatever. Right. And then we was like, you know, I mean, I was kind of on the side of mid, like, it's whatever, but I'm cool. And then you was on the side of, no, nah, we cool. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, we had like the mix, perfect right. mix. Yeah. Cold water, hot water, or medium water. Right. You know, and then hot water. But it, so it could have went like that, but we have been raised in a way to where we see, no, nah, this is how you address issues. You talk about it, you work through it, and we come up with an actual viable plan. That's not the that's not the case right now. The case is right now, all right, it's a mass hysteria right now. Everybody's up in arms about it. You see a lot of Instagram posts. You see a lot of stories about it. What is the resolve? I'm tired of going down these same stories, and we talk about the same stuff. George Ford and, and- last year, exact same thing. I don't need his mural on the side of a building. How's that going to resolve anything? Does no, it? no, no, it doesn't. And if and anything, it gets you more, it gets you angry. Because if, if, if it's a remembrance. It's a remembrance. Of, because if you saw the video, you don't need the mural. Hey, Shonda's already always said it. Hurt people. What? Hurt people. Hurt people. Isn't that the case? So these people Absolutely. are hurting. Yeah. And Dr. King said famously, these people. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. What Dr. King people say, but Dr. King famously said that a riot is the screams of the voiceless. Mm-hmm. Like, Thanks. like when people feel like you're no longer listening, you will listen when I burn down this building, Absolutely. when I when I tear this business apart. And let's be honest, most of the looting the burning and the destruction of property is not by the people who are protesting. There are always provocateurs who want to take this opportunity to make those groups look worse than what they really are. And they begin to do things. And then when you start to get the investigation of even those, you start to find out those are people that's part of other organizations who want to get, um, um, race wars started. So Pooh, it's up, it's on you. What do you think? I mean, I agree with everybody saying I do, but me personally, I don't go to church to hear about politics or so or social issue. That's just me. I go to church to hear about the word and stuff to feed me spiritually. Not saying that it's not right or it's 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 not wrong for um, the the church to involve themselves in politics or social issues, but I think when they get into that start bridging the gap because you start to take sides. And once you take a side on what somebody else don't like, that's when you have people tend to leave in the church, even when you are teaching the good word, just because you are for something else or you're not for something, they tend to look at you different just because you didn't vote for who they vote voted for, or you have a certain opinion on something and they leave. Got you. So, this- so, so let me ask you this, um, because I, 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 I agree with you when it comes to politics. I believe that politics is a very red herring because v- people vote the way they vote for different reasons. 
I think people want you to believe that they vote for social issues. And there's a very small minority that does, but some, some people vote their pocketbooks. Like people who have a lot of money tend to vote more conservative because they want to keep more of their money in their pocket. Um, I mean, that's just re- real life doesn't, you know, and whatnot, but from a social issue standpoint, I believe that you can't like not address social issues because social issues are what your people, when they walk out this door, you are those, those issues will affect your people. You you get what I'm yeah, saying? I, no, like I said, I, I agree. It is when you get to a point where you turn a service into a rally. Got you. You understand what I'm saying? So like, instead of I'm coming to, to service, not knowing what I, what I'm going through, I'm going through issues where I need some word. Right. And you, well, start, and, and you start turning into a power to the people movement. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Now, I, I and and I, 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 I see, I agree with it. I think that it should be a separate time so you can just target just that. Right. But when I come to Sunday ser- service, I come to hear the word. Okay. I I I I get what you're saying. I don't even think we're talking about using Sunday service to go ahead, Sean. Do you you seem like you want to say something? I, because I agree with I agree with him because I've gone to Sunday service and felt like I was in a political rally. Absolutely. And, and I left upset because this ain't why I came. But by the same token, the thing that makes the word of God so powerful is its simplicity and practicality or its ability to be applied to my everyday life. So that means if I'm hurting about something, then the word should be able to address it. If I'm in, in pain because of social issues then or oppression, the word should be able to soothe it. And so when I face a situation and um, the word can't soothe it, then something's really wrong. So I should be able to go to this place with whatever my issue is and the practicality of the word should soothe it or give it some salve. My problem is we have people who should be the head of the hospital or the hospital administrators in the church who are not skilled with the salve or they don't know where it is and they don't know how to use it. So you come in hurting, you leave hurting, you come in bleeding, you leave bleeding. You come in in pain, you leave in pain. You come in emotionally wounded and leave the same way because the person who looks like they can help you can't help you. So we've got to figure out how do we get the people in charge to actually be able to help us. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's where I believe, because at the end of the day, it's going to take a community for us to do this a community of church people and non-church people. I'm going to ask you this, but when you when you get on social issues, the first place you hear about social issues is home. You don't hear about it from church. Absolutely. Your, your, your parents talk to you about being a black man or being a black woman or uh, the issues that we're having as black men or you, you get that at home. Absolutely. You, you don't, we don't get that anywhere else, but home, home, home first. Okay. So I just, Believe first if you're getting that at home, you know what I'm saying, and 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 that's I think that's just the, the responsibility okay. of a of, of a father. No, no or, hold on, I, I'm gonna let you say something. Step, go ahead, V. Finish. Well, your I point. think it's just first the responsibility as a father, 
and as a mother, but if you don't have that, that's what I said. If 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 the church can dedicate a day or something just just to target that, because like 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 Shana said, if I have something that's hurt, I should better go there to get absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Healed. Absolutely. Before you make your point, Steph, this is where I'll give you. In the 90s, there was a movement, a social movement, to help heal, especially in the black community, mothers and women who had been hurt through emotional, physical, and other ways that they had been abused, whether it was sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. And those were coming through in the forms of Juanita Bynum, No More Sheets, it was coming through with T.D. Jakes, Woman Thou Art Loose. Those were social issues. Women being abused, social issue. Women being molested. Women being raped. Women, men leaving these women. Single mothers raising single men and single women. Or single mothers raising men and women. And all of these things were culminating in these hurt women who were hurt, distraught, and they were raising people with their still having traumas that, that were unresolved. Wild, but what I'm saying, it was still a social issue that we took, that we saw was an issue. And we began to do movements around those social issues. So let me add, that, that, and let what me, I'm saying is that right, let me ask you this. The people that talk about social issues, do you see them ever quote scripture in that? Dr. King was the biggest. Nah, I'm, I'm not talking about, Dr. People. King, Jesse Jackson, even Al Sharpton, into, even I don't know if he's still a reverend. In today's society, the main people that's getting up talking about social issues, I really hear him quote scripture. Do you know who Reverend Barber is? Uh-uh. He's the man who's taking over the poor people campaign. How and and, and he's age? Well, how old is he? Reverend Barber's probably in his what sixties, maybe. On now. That's that's the generation. That's the older generation. I'm talking yeah. about right now. You talking about? about what what age the, though? The millennial exactly who I'll, are leading this movement. Quoting yeah, scripture, no, I, I will say uh, it like ahead, this: Steph. the church, the building is supposed to be a place of fellowship. Social issues, spiritual issues, all of those are supposed to be addressed within that building. When we come and we talk, we actually have, we actually have church in this studio. This is church right this here. This is church. We fellowship Absolutely. about a lot of stuff. Facts. So this is the first example. Second, when I was a kid and I didn't want to take medicine. You know what my mom did? She put it in juice, and then I took the medicine. So it's in the pastor, whoever it is, is giving the message to know how to mix it in with some juice. That's what I said. Is you know what I'm saying? That's the point. That, but that's but that's that is that's that's exactly what you said. If you go back to women that are loose and was they no no more sheets, right? They was getting both. Right. And no, no. So, and so that's like what I'm saying. You're not mixing. When you, if, if, if I come to church and it's just talking about social issues, just that. No, see, well, then you missed it because I would never just tell Whoa. the pastor to get up and be like, put the names on the board George Floyd, but some people, Ahmaud Arbery. But some people that come in there, they don't want to hear nothing else but just that's, that. But that's the reason why it has to be addressed in a manner to where it's not offensive to, to everybody. So so you got a part of people that come into So you, you talk about a mixed church, right? Not just a standard church you go to and then the whole audience is one race. We're talking about a church that's actually like a mixed church, right? Sure. Where I've heard uh, uh, Elevation Worship or Elevation Church, so Pastor Stephen Ferdy, 
sometimes he'll address these things in small drops, but it's always in the way that God would do it, which would be in love, right? It's not supposed to be addressed in a way that's like, you see this? Now you take a side. When you take a side and you take no neutral point, your, 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 your midpoint should always be love. Even though we all get angry about different things, about the way that the person, the victim was, and then the, the way the antagonizer was and all this kind of stuff, we all get angry about different things. But then the one that really judges is God. Because really I've learned that a lot of things that I thought was wrong and I thought this person, I was able to diagnose somebody and say this is this person's issue. Really, I don't know what's going on in their personal life. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? They might be going through a real struggle and they took it out on this one person. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not in the position to judge anybody in that regard. So I'll let God do that. Does it make me angry? Yes, it makes me angry. But the way it should be addressed, it should be addressed that everybody can understand. And it should be reinforced by the word. It should not just be, oh, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Then it becomes an issue. And, and, and I think where I look at the issue, I have a 21 year old son. Shonda, your son is 11, about a, to be 12. Okay. You have three younger brothers. That's 20 and younger. But what? Um, 20, 18, 16. 16. Okay. And um, I don't have any, but and even under his younger cousins, we come from a big family. Dante Wright was 20 years old. Father was pulled over because of either, I don't know, it was the registration or it was something hanging in the in the air window. Freshener. Air freshener hanging. Now, when I see that, I think of my 21-year-old son. I think of your 20-year-old brother or your six, or your 18-year-old brother or your 16-year-old brother or one of our younger cousins that's out here that bumping the music, we're in Michigan, marijuana's legal now, are you smoking trees? I mean, you whatever it may be. At the end of the day, I don't care. They said he had a warrant, and it was for a misdemeanor. So it wasn't even a felony. It was a misdemeanor charge. The issue is, why are they dying over routine traffic stops, okay? And then we mix it with this. Because this is what I hear, even from church, no matter social issue, political issue is, we talk about abortion. That's murder, right? I don't want my tax dollars paying for the murders. That's what they tell. That's why they don't want abortions because they feel like the money that goes to Planned Parenthood is paying for abortions, even though none of these laws, because of I think it's called the Hatch Act, no federal monies can be used for abortion services. I believe that's I could stand corrected. I'll look it up, but I believe it's the Hatch Act. So anyway, but when a police officer kills an unarmed innocent black man. And money goes out to the family, you know that's tax dollars. That doesn't come out the police pension. Those are tax dollars. So my tax dollars are being used for the state execution of my children. So when you give $27 million to the family of George Floyd, if they paying taxes in that state, some of that is their money mixed in with that $27 million. When you give Breonna Taylor's family $11 million, that is tax dollars that we as taxpaying citizens, that's money coming out of our pockets. So don't talk to me about abortions and the murder of innocent 
and you don't want your tax dollars, but your tax dollars are being used because the police are killing innocent. Like in, you could say, well, he had a misdemeanor. Police are to arrest. They are not the judge, the jury, or the executioner. Right. I don't mean to cut. I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, the older I get, the more I, I, I'm more of. We know the problem. You understand what I'm saying? Right. What's the solution? I'm, I'm tired of hearing about problems. Oh no, no. Like I'm, I, I want to figure out what are we gonna do. Well, no, that's what we. You know what we I was gonna we, bring that up because we, 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 we keep talking about this happening and we keep pushing the issue. No, no, no. I want to push. But, the but, solution. All right. So then we'll start with that. Was the question I was going. What What do you What do you think a solution is? I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know because you know some when you get to a certain point, enough is enough. You start tend to get violent. You're, you and and that's just being that's just being being honest. When you try to talk, you try to hands up. You try to shoot, run. Right. So either you will die anyway, so I might as well go out with a bay. Oh, he's going to be Cleo no, from no, uh, no, Cleo no, from no, set no, it off. I mean, I'm not. No, saying, I got you. That's it's not right, but that's what it drives you to. Okay, so go ahead, Shonda. Before I so the the problem is systemic, you know, and it's it's been around since the police force has been um, slave patrols. Exactly. So we're not going to be able to just fix it but we have to have the conversations and the conversations are uncomfortable. Um, but we have to be courageous enough to keep having the conversations because once we stop talking about it, that's consent. You know, we're saying that it's okay. And that's one of the issues that I have with the church is like, we have this blessed quietness, um, going on right now. Um, while judgments are being handed out in the streets, that wouldn't even be on the docket if the case went to the court. Like, what's the penalty for a traffic violation? What's the penalty for me not telling you my name? What's the penalty for fitting the description? We can't even see why we can't win in court. For buying iced tea and Skittles. What's the penalty? You know, it can't be the death penalty for every single thing that we do. Remember on the movie um, Law by Citizen? Yes. And then the dude said, you know what? I'm bringing it all down. Because that's what it seems like. Even if we get it to the court, we still don't get the, get the judgment that we're looking for. Absolutely, Steph. Yeah, I really have nothing else to say. <laughs> 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 I mean, the whole thing is, I think V just said the exact same thing that I talked about. That's why everybody's so misguided. V is not the type to go in the middle of the street. But there really are some that go in the middle of the street and they're burning stuff down. They're upset. They're they're breaking glass. They're doing all this because they don't have directed aggression. You're going to have aggression. They don't, they don't have a voice. There you go. They don't have no way to direct that. Somebody can talk them, talk to them, and one word can resolve all of that. Or one solution can resolve everything. And that solution can be either a talk or some kind of mentorship or something like that. But the root of the issue, like trying to say, is systemic. You get gas all the time, right? Yeah. Right? You got tents in your car. Your car is dark. It's like black. You got a black truck. And you carry a gun. So you don't think that somebody would approach you if it's that kind of cop and they approach you? Bro, you're harmless. Literally, you like a butterfly. Right. <laughs> so, so, so I think, think he just I think that was a shot. I think that was a I think that was a shot. I think that was a I just was trying to change the tone a little bit. I know, you know I didn't. No, but 
If he understand what I'm saying. Yeah. He gets gas. He pulls over. I already know he's going to be compliant with a cop. If he picks the wrong cop that day, you hear about an issue. He went for my gun. Bro, I, I highly doubt that. Right. I highly doubt that. No, he didn't. So now, what would we say in that regard? So now, is that just a social issue? Or are you a part of the body just like everybody else? So now that becomes one of our own. Like in the sorority. When something happens in the sorority, it's a, it's a, it's an entire group issue. Regardless of it's whatever it is that they're dealing with. Somebody's getting like evicted. It just somebody. keep happening. It's okay. going gonna, it's gonna to keep right. happening until it's, it's resolved. Right. It's, well, it's let, me, let me say this. Every and week, this is like... Yeah, no, we've I'm, had... I'm 32. This is probably the most I've ever looked up and seen... Killing after killing after killing. Nobody goes to jail. You might get a what a, a man man slow slaughter. Not he even out, that. He out on bond. Still get a pension. Pay leave. And and, and just, does does doesn't that even frustrate you just to say that? So I, let me say let me say this, Vince, <laughs> because you asked what what can we do? What can we do? Because the, the problem keep happening. First and foremost, we got to keep having these conversations. Because if we stop having the conversations, like Shonda said, it's consent. Second off, we got to start allowing the conversations to happen in places where people will feel uncomfortable about the conversation. Stefan talked about like Elevation Church. Um, Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick. Yeah, he, he needs to start having these conversations in his church because I'm pretty sure he has a large amount of black people that go to his church. Joel Osteen, he needs to have these conversations in his church, because at the end of the day, this is what I know. The only thing that me and Pat Robertson have probably ever agreed on is that Jesus died for the remissions of our sins. That is probably the only thing that Pat Robertson of the 700 club and me have ever agreed on. Even he came out this week and made a statement and said, this has got to stop. How do you mix up a taser with a gun? 10 miles away from George Floyd. How are you treating an army lieutenant like that's That's being compliant. This dude has his hands out and all he's asking is what am I being pulled over for? And they going to say, they thought this was a, what they call a felony stop. And then go let the guy go. See, the thing is this, that we can't, we can't change the system right now, but we can let the people know that we will not allow this system to continue to run like this because that, because well, and, and we have to continue to be vocal. You don't have to be the one you don't have to be the one up front. Do you agree be, that we should have our own people police our own neighborhoods? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I am. Listen to me, because I know some people gonna hear this and they want to bring up that that guy Brock sounds like a Marxist or uh, CRT, which is um, critical race theory and all that other stuff. Is as extreme as you think that I am. I'm, I'm even more extreme than that. I am for abolishing the police because the the police that we have now is based on the history of slave patrols. If people even did their history on the turn of the century, when they used to try to have unions and the, in the 1900s, they would send the police to go break up these unions and arrest these people and beat them and shoot them and kill them and things like that. So the history of the police coming from slave patrols, then in 2010, the FBI let out a, um, a, a, a statistic where they show that, um, white um, hate groups have begun to tell their members to do what? Join the police and join the military for two things. One for training 
in the military and two being on the police, you can now what start to eradicate the issues and get kill these black people. So some of these people are race soldiers. So what we need to do is we need to be strategic as black people. We need to start having our people join the police force. We need to be able to come in. We need to send our 12 spies in and be able to find out the plan so we can tear down the walls of Jericho. But we don't even want to do that kind of stuff. It's just like we want to sit like if you're not strategic, then none of these things will have to happen. But it's like when we sit here and we can't agree and when the churches are silent about it, and like I said, I'm not expecting my pastor on Sunday to get up there and, and, and turn into Louis Farrakhan. I see, I but see. what I'm saying is, like Mary Poppins saying, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down in quite the delightful way. <laughs> I agree with you too. Instead of instead of you know instead of us building our our sons and our da- daughters up to be continue to be sports players and um, rappers, get them into a position where they can truly make change. Civil rights attorneys and lawyers. No, and, of course, because and, and, not not top ten. What do we we do as as black parents? Oh, go. Go and play sports. Oh, you six eight, two two fifty. You 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 LeBron. You know what I'm saying. You can, but we don't we don't coach them into See, getting in position where to be attorneys. Oh and, no no, I, I I agree with you, but I I think what a lot of smart parents do is they tell their kid, all right, you have this talent and this ability. The chances of you making it to the NFL might not happen. But what we gonna do is we gonna use this school of course to get you where you need to go. So now it becomes like. If I'm a parent, like you, you might say, no, no, I'm saying if I'm a, well, my son played college football, but as a parent, I'm, I'm going to look at it like this. You'd be like, like, and Vince going to probably say, that's because you're a Michigan fan. No, if my child has a chance to go to University of Michigan or the University of Alabama, I'm going to say the University of Michigan. You're a Michigan Why? Fan. Because a University of Michigan degree holds more weight. No, I do. Then a University a of Alabama degree. You understand but, what I'm saying? But if you know. go to if you go to if you go to that roll tide, no, no, but football, but, you have bro, from a prestige, to from a prestige standpoint. <laughs> but uh, if bro, somebody says you graduated from Michigan, they're gonna and, look at you a little different. And you're talking about the largest living alumni base too. So even so, academics or talking sports? No, no, academics. The largest living. Um, I alumni mean, back. ain't no scrubs neither. If you talk yeah. about as far as if you playing a tides with going sports, you're going to leave. Yeah, no, but do you understand? You understand yeah, what yeah, I'm understand saying, though, Sean. I'm not trying to knock Alabama. I don't want. You, I'm just giving you that as an example. Now, but then now it turns around as a parent. What I might say that what is my thinking 10, 20 years ago. But today, you know what my thinking is? No, we going to a HBCU. Absolutely. LeBron James, his son might go to a HBCU. Uh, Master P, his son is a Division One basketball player. His son is going to a HBCU. Uh, 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 what's his name? Deion Sanders coaching one. He's coaching. And, and, and his son go. And his son go there. His son. His son left the University of South Carolina and went to HBCU and went to a and is going to play for his dad. His other son left a Division One school to go play for Eddie George. Just took a job at an HBC. See what now? To me, that's where the strategy starts to come in. Right. I'm not sending my son to U of M or Alabama. I'm sending my son to Tennessee State. I'm sending my son to Howard, to Clark, to Morehouse, to um, Grambling, to Southern, because 
I we 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 have to understand we are a commodity, whether it be our consumership, because one thing I know even within us is black people are loyal tithers. Because if we weren't, these little bitty churches that be popping up, these storefronts wouldn't keep popping up because you need money to pay for them storefronts and somebody paying for them storefronts. So my thing is, is the, 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 these colleges, they want our athletes. They want our consumership. They want our dollars. They want our money. Well, guess what? We taking them to our universities, to our schools. And as the church pastors, like, and I think Stephen gave a perfect example when he didn't like medicine, his mom will put it in apple juice. We have to be very strategic in how we bring these issues and, and, and bring them the church that I used to go to before the church I'm at now, Life Application Ministries, Bishop Cass, he was perfect at that. Like, he, he, he talked about everyday life. That was life application, was life application ministry. His thing was he used everyday life to be able to talk about what he was going through. He talked about his addiction. He talked about him being on drugs and how he almost got killed in a drug house. And he used that. Um, and, and that was what got him into ministry. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that's a social issue. He used to be on drugs. So he's able to preach that thing in a way that he knows what it's like to grow up on the street. When you are a black parent and, and, and at the end of the day, when you walk out the church V like Stephen said, you got that black truck, black tent, you carry a gun. Don't nobody know you a saint when you walk out of the church. Don't nobody know that Shonda is an elder when she walk out of the church. Don't nobody know that Stefan is a teacher and an elder when he walk out the church. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Don't nobody know that I'm a popper when I walk out the church. Okay? Right. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Right. And when you on your motorcycle with your dominant jacket on, and you got your helmet on. They don't know that you that you praise the Lord. They don't know dominant is a part of your ministry. Only thing they see is black beard, black cheeks, and black gums with with, with some buffs on. <laughs> yeah. With some buffs on. Exactly. You understand what I'm saying, Vince? So what I'm saying is, is we have to begin to use churches as strategic planning places because that's what Dr. Martin Luther King and them did in the '60s with mm -hmm. the Southern Leadership Council right. and things like that. And and and, and, and bringing it back to scripture, this, this parable has been on me for the last year, year and a half. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the part of the story of the Good Samaritan that people always miss, and Sean to know where I'm going with this. The parable starts off that a man is, on the, is, is laying in the street. Who's the first person that passed him, Vince? Do you know? Do you know it was the first person that passed him? The disciples? No. No. It was a pastor, a oh. minister, was the first person that passed him and did nothing about it. Okay. Who was the second person that passed? You? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the second person that passed? It was a rabbi. So these are two church and one rabbi Shonda. Just so so you had a minister and a rabbi who passed this man on the side of the road that was hurt, crossed the street. They see what's going on. Now, to me, I could be wrong. That represented leadership 
a church leader, two church leaders, see somebody hurt, see somebody downtrodden, see somebody that needs help. They cross the street because I don't even want to be involved. I don't want to deal with that. We, I need to go do my Sunday service message. So I'm not going to address that. I see a man on the side of the road who needs my help, who's bleeding. I'm not going to do that. Here's a good Samaritan who walks by, who's not even a part of this man's tribe, who has nothing to do with this man, sees him on the side of the road, doesn't think about how this is going to affect him, how this is going to make him look. These are people who I don't roll with. These are people who I don't deal with and they don't deal with me. But I see humanity there hurting and need somebody to help him. So guess what I'm going to do? I am going to assist him. So what it's telling me is this leadership ain't going to do it anyway. It needs to be us because leadership sees themselves in a different role when they see somebody hurting and downtrodden because that's who passed this man. And that means that the people that they are leading are probably going to walk past that man too because that good Samaritan didn't go to either one of their churches because if he did, he wouldn't have done anything about it. So when you are under feckless weak leadership, who won't say or do anything, you probably tend to be feckless and weak and won't want to do anything when you see people on the side of the road. I, on the other hand, when I see people on the side of the road that need help, I will help them. When I see somebody who has been beaten, who's been bleeding, I, I can't in good conscience as a man of God not say anything. There are certain things that I will not say absolutely or definitively, but I will tell you this. If you hate Somebody because of the color of their skin, the love of Jesus is not in you. I will say that definitively. And if you offended by it, so be it. If you hate somebody as a black person who hates white people, the love of Jesus is not in you. If you are a white person that hates a black person, the love of Jesus is not in you. It says in the Bible, what? You don't even go deeper than that. If you hate somebody by whatever sexuality if, they If you hate somebody are. because they are, because they don't worship like you if you hate somebody because they don't have sex the way you have have said if you hate somebody because they got different legs than you it is not your job to hate the bible says two things what it says how can you hate how can you love a god whom you've never seen but hate your brother who you see every day it doesn't put stipulations on who your brother is and he's not talking about your physical brother jesus they asked him they said what they said what is the greatest commandment he said the first and the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. The second and, and just, and he said the second and just as great is love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means when I see my neighbor is not eating, no matter if he's white, black, straight, gay, queer, he's not eating. I need to make sure he eats. Man, to all my Snowfall fans, like my man Scully said, man, you got to get the hate out your heart. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you understand what I'm saying, V? No, but. You got to get the hate out oh, your no, heart. Oh, no, it's a great show. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you understand what I'm saying. So, at the end of the day, leaders aren't, do, aren't, we can't look even for the leaders. But what I'm saying is, when I say church, and we always say, when we say church, we're not talking about the building. Right. We're talking about the body. And, and there are leaders in this body who are very quiet that weren't, as quiet when it came to this political arena, but are deftly quiet when it's coming to the, the murder and the killing of innocent black and brown children that are being shot and killed. That could, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people that it becomes relevant when it's somebody who's close to me. Right. Man, I've seen this. I just was blue, blue back when I was in church. I've seen 
when the pastor says something about the president election, I've seen people literally get up and walk out that I've never seen get up and walk out no other time just because they didn't agree with what they agree with. So now I'm just like, wow. So you forget all about the teaching and just stick to these two people. And I thought that was sick. Like you leave a place where you was getting fed and you, you came out of city. This is your home and this is where you're getting fed at. But now you're not coming back off the simple fact that this is this is who he's voting for. So now you 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 telling me just because he he's voted for who you not voted for. Well, was you, it? But was it a fact of they were? You said people don't go to church for that, right? Yeah. So if you feel as though it's one thing for you to say, here's choice A. Here's choice B. The decision is yours. But when I'm saying, here's choice A, all the great things that choice A is going to do for you, and this is why you should vote for choice A, and choice B, if you vote for him, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going basically telling me you're going to hell. But look, I'm going to just give you, give you if, if I'm up here, I've been a good friend to, to you, excellent friend. You know what I'm saying? You, we click, I'm there for you. You there to talk, whatever, whatever. But I, uh, I disagree with you on one thing. So now you erase the whole friendship just because I didn't agree with you on that one thing, and that's something I just can't, I just can't fool fool with. Like me and you, B, B called me about the election stuff all the, all the time. I'm I'm talking about enraged. I already, I know. I, I, to, I a couple of times to put the phone away. Like, dang, B, chill. <laughs> but I love B. Right, and even if I didn't vote for who he vote, he voted for our relationship was never the same because it wasn't. Or if built I find you, you ain't voted. Right. <laughs> our, our relationship wasn't. I'm built gonna slap off, you when we turn this show. Off. Our relationship wasn't built off presidential no. uh, election. Right, but so I've seen people literally not be friends after this, the president election. And I just thought that was just so like messed up. And, and, and I not. would say that. They weren't friends in the first of place. Of course, right. of you know course. I mean? If if one thing causes you to walk away, then you didn't have anything in the first place. And, of course. And people yeah. who walk out of a church were looking for a reason to walk out of a church anyway. I mean, that that was just the straw. Because I'm the type of person that, Shonda tell you, if I don't agree with you, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to ask you or we're going to have a discussion about it. And you're going to know that even if we don't, I'm going to know why you feel the way you feel. You're going to know why I feel the way I feel. Right. And we can we can agree to disagree, but that's where that's where it's going to be. But I'm not going to sit here and let people pop, pop propaganda either. I'm not going to let somebody tell me that Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever is. I'm not going to sit here. You know, people, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I would not have voted for Donald Trump. I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm talking about me, nobody else on the show. But if somebody told, I know people personally who voted for Donald Trump and I still talk to them. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, but they know how I feel. I know how they feel. And we just keep it the moving. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I gave a perfect, perfect example. I work at the plant and I got a homeboy there. He's 50. White guy. Cool. Like real, like real cool. He talks about how the Trump election was fraud and he voted for Trump and they trying to screw Trump. And that's all he talk about. But when it comes down to social justice, cop being black people, he said, bro, that's messed up. I don't even trust. I don't even trust the cops. Right. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? So if I would just judge that man off of 
how he feels about Biden and even though the stuff that Trump said, like you know what I'm saying? He like this this guy's a cool cat. He and he, he said out of his mouth, like the way that they treat unarmed black men, period, is foul. Absolutely. And it, it, it something needs to be done about it. Something needs right. to be changed. And that's why and but that's why I said what? That's why I framed it at the beginning as social issues and not political issues. The reason I brought up political is because I said I felt as though in the last two years, the church was jumping more into the political arena. And, and I had never seen the church. I had knew of pastors, Jerry Falwell senior and, and, and people like that, Billy Graham's, those people were more in the political arena, but I'm talking about individual churches I had never seen pastors basically telling their congregation who they should vote for. I think that was pocket pushing. I mean, it could have been whatever, but I'm just saying I had never seen that before. What I'm saying is it just blew my mind because now what it said to me was, why don't we talk about social issues? Because I feel as though social issues are way more pressing. Like we talked about on one episode of V, uh, we talked about the young lady who um, daughter got taken away from her. Her daughters, she was at work. She had left her daughters at a motel, and they came, and they took her daughters away. And and it blew my mind because she didn't feel as though she had the church there. Like, that's where the church should be. Like, that don't have nothing to do with Sunday service. That has to do with the availability that the church tells people. We are here as a community to be able to do this. Shonda said her church when she was back home in Miss, they had school. They had a daycare. Like, you weren't going to go without. When you was going to church seven days a week, you better have somebody who can watch but all I, these kids. But I think that's, right. is, that's when you have to put people in place and strategize to, strategize. to do that. You know what I'm saying? If you, you have one group that targets home homelessness, you have an, another group that tar, targets business. Now we cooking with grease, as Stephen would say. Like you, yes, no, sir. but I mean, no, that's what I said. I agree. But but I look, agree. you know what you just did, V? You went from 20 minutes ago saying I don't know what to do to now you talking strategy. A solution. And you understand what I'm saying? And, and and that's what I'm saying. We're talk. This is church right now. This is fellowship. <laughs> this is fellowship. This is this is what makes it happen. We're coming up with ideas. Because one thing I know with you, what you do with your platform on on your social media is you use your your social media to be able to talk to other people and and give words of encouragement, right or wrong. Thanks. Stefan does the same thing. He has his business account where he shows people the work that he does. And then on his other feed that he'll do personal, but he'll put stuff out there to be able to encourage people Whether this video. Shonda does the same thing with hers. I do the same thing where I'll put out stuff, um, whether it be like yesterday, I put out the, the quote about David. You'll tell you, you gonna tell him what you told me. What? You have two accounts. No, I I, <laughs> I said I got the road to Damascus. I got the road to Damascus, and I got my personal one. I get ratchet on my personal one, and I try to be calm on my road to Damascus. But I quote puts that quote, and you retweeted the same quote For sure. about David yesterday. Right. So what I'm saying is, is we just need to come up with strategy. But before we uh, close out, and this kind of brings it in, and Stefan. I know he's going to appreciate this too because we kind of had a conversation about it. But you had talked about, <laughs> you smiling. No, but you had talked about um, the kind of people that we use and things like that. So the previous podcast before we took the break was about salvation. And 
why I bring this up is because this is part of the strategy is in this time where all of this stuff was going on, rapper DMX had passed. And while his impact is different on different people, I remember DMX because he got hot around the time I graduated high school, like 99. And I think is when hell is hot dropped or something like that. And when like them anthems started coming out and DMX kind of was the, was the bridge from Tupac and Biggie to the reemergence of that kind of rap, because in between Pac and Biggie now, you kind of had the, the jumpsuit rap, you know, and, and Joker's wearing the silver jumpsuits and all of that. And then he kind of came back with the griminess and the getting hype type music. But the reason I bring him up is because DMX was one person through all his personal avails, through him dealing with drugs and whatever else, the the music, degrading women, whatever you might say. Every album he had a prayer on there. He talked about his love and relationship for Christ. He talked about how he know he the only way he could get through things was through Christ. How um, I saw a tweet where a woman said a guy said that his wife's girlfriend had found out the hotel that DMX was. So she went upstairs thinking she was going to try to sleep with him. She get up there. It's 10 other women in there. And he's literally holding Bible study for these women. Um, so he is one that when you would look at on the outside, Stephen, you just said you look on the outside and you would just judge that person. Like you only bringing up God as a pacifier. And I know you and Shonda kind of got into it on the mm-hmm. debate about, um, once saved, or you know, like, can you, um, salvation. How, yeah. can you lose yeah. salvation yeah. and things like that? That was a good show. Yo, yeah, but, but, and the reason I bring it up with this is because I think people respected DMX more because of his vulnerability, mm-hmm. because Absolutely. he was one who said, I love God. I reverence God. I pray. I seek wisdom. I seek knowledge. But this flesh is something that is hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And if I do, and, and, and the things that I, the demons that I have, the, the traumas that I, it's hard for me to overcome, but I still know that I need Christ. Now, some, now it started to be controversial because people say, oh, well, he going to hell. And it's like, well, first and foremost, who has a heaven or hell to put anybody in? Right. Second off, let the wheat and the tear grow together. I will do the separating. But I, what I know is, is I think he could, I could sit here and I'll ask you all. I believe he had a greater impact on people's lives than some of these ministers and pastors that we listen to now. Because he, through all of this, he still would weave God in there. He still would pray. I saw a picture where he was doing a concert and Debo, Tiny Zeus listening, who played Debo was at a concert. He started praying for him in the middle of the concert. Debo came up there crying and hugged. He would pray before shows and all that other stuff. Like these are the, and what I'm, and, and this brings us back to, we have to get out of this bubble with the church. We have to act like it's just, it, it's there as a hospital. As Shonda always like to say, and guess what? At the hospital, we don't just do um, preventative care. We, we treat cancer. We treat tumors. We do dental. We do eyes. We do vision. All of these things are things that we do at the hospital. But when we think that the hospital 
We do surgeries. We do foot. We do back. We do all of this. But when we think that the hospital is just there to do one thing and one thing only, if the church is there to do one thing and one thing only, then that then we've missed the whole thing because it's not a building. It's a body. And what is the body doing? So what did you want to say about DMX, Steph, and what we had talked about? Well, no, you don't remember that we was on the phone for about an hour. Oh, 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 oh yeah, we were talking about the salvation part with the, uh, DMX. I mean, and my thing is, uh, I think when we had kind of talked about it, we expounded upon like the ideas, or like the fact that somebody who dedicates their life to God to submit your life to God and commit your life to God, if that guy, if DMX was a local pastor, it would be no idea that everybody be like, yeah, he's in glory, right? But now you got somebody who had a talent. And he was more public, but he was still vocal about his issues and he was transparent about his issues, but yet still wanted to pray. He's a, he's in a, a room full of, I remember seeing a video with DMX. He was in the room for like Diddy and all these people. And he's like, all right, let's pray. Everybody shut their mouth to let, let this man pray. And they were all over here. Cause I'm pretty sure it was a powerful prayer. Cause he even said it with two or more together in his names. He's in the midst. So when, you bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. You are a part of the body. If you had that power and that right, you are a part of the body. So somebody would take DMX like an example and say, ah, oh, man, we, we already know or or we know where he's going in that regard. We don't know where he's going, right? We just know that he declared Christ, right, and he had a relationship with God. It's pretty evident about that. You will know they are pretty much minds minds by the way that they what love love that's a prime example right there he was uh, a, a, an example of that and i think for our generation you know uh us growing up like you said 98 we were all younger you were just graduating right. 99 um 98 i think that's when his, his album dropped yeah and uh so he was pivotal pivotal in that time we were growing up because it was like, man, X, you know, he had all these. X going to give it to yeah, you. Yeah, he's going to give it to you and all that. I think he was placed there. Because, I mean, just pastors. See, I think we always think that pastors is only supposed to be the ones to bring forth the word, word and make change. You got it. God calls all. What does what, what it be? You got to become. You can get all people. You got to become. All, oh, all well, people. no. Paul said I to, to uh, I was Wait, all, all thing. Yeah. So, okay. I yeah. believe that DMX was in that position and he let God use him because he was able to touch people that pastor couldn't touch because right. they wasn't going to them concerts. They weren't in them back rooms with these heavy hit, hit hitters and X was. Right. And he was, hey, Lord, you know what I'm saying? If Because I've, I've been in, in them position where, Lord, because all God wants to use is your platform. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you because like you said, V, he was in a room where other people couldn't get into those rooms. And, and and he still took God with him unashamed. And he lived to be 50 and did things that a lot of 50-year-olds haven't done. And touched millions of people. So me, personally, actually lived a full life. Well, he, said, he just said that. He said in the interview yeah. about two months ago that if I die right now, I would say I lived a good life. Facts. I mean, Charlemagne said something on there, he said X was the only person. He said they was outside drinking, 
And he said he was throwing up. Yeah, and then, and he's, then yelling, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, he said he, said he would just come and chill with them yeah. at the studio. And he would still give so much life, but yet be transparent about what he was going through. Right. And people respect him for his honesty. And, 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 and what I'm saying is we have to start to let those type of people blossom and give them platforms within this whole social movement, these, 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 these issues. Go ahead, Rabbi. Uh, people with so much darkness bring so much light. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's because they're constantly fighting the darkness within them. You know, that's why they bring so much light and they try to bring so much joy wherever they are. Um, what was impactful for me about X was the fact that he was always honest. He always kept going. He always failed, and he always got back up. And he remained consistent through all of that. You know, when it was good, he was with God. When it was bad, it was God. When, you know, when he was happy, it was God. When he was going through troubles with his family, it was the same thing. He never forgot to pray. And church people forget to pray. So people who are so churched that they're no earthly good always seem to forget to pray because there's a trap door in prayer called mercy. And when you don't have mercy for people, we know you're not praying for them. You know, if you haven't slipped through that trap door where you can see an individual where they are for who they are and still be merciful, then we understand that your prayers are probably being swatted down. It's probably <laughs> strange fire or something like that. Right. So stop putting people in heaven or hell. That's not our domain. Absolutely. So um, before we close out, I started off community of chaos. Um, like in the book. So I'm going to go around and just, I'm going to start with you V. Um, be, and this isn't your closing statement, but just more or less. Um, what do you think in the end? And I'm not even talking biblically cause we know biblically just, do you think, do you think we can get community or do you think it's just going to continue to be chaos? Um, honestly, I don't know, bro. I mean, that's honest. At the point we are right now, it's just so much chaos. So, I mean, eventually the, the dust got to clear. <laughs> but now I'm worried about when it's, when it's going to spark back up again. You feel me? Shonda. I think we'll always have a little bit of both. You know, I, I think out of the chaos will come some microcosms of community. Um, but I don't think we'll be able to stomp out all of, all of the chaos. Absolutely. Steph. No, nah, I won't. You know, I mean, we'll we'll always have some um, some issues. It's like the 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 um, when the flower is growing, it requires the wind to help it grow strong. So I think the life that we live is always going to have some sort of issues in order to help us to grow and to be who we are, um, to be advocates and to be uh, people for the people. So I think it'll it'll never be a point to where it's no issues. But we'll have those times of, of peace. So I, I, I like to, I heard this one pastor say it, uh, Nikki Gumble. he said, battles and blessings. Because we're going to always be black. Facts. Yes, sir. Even so, some of us can pass. Ain't that right? Said, no, I'm just messing wow. with you. <laughs> I'm messing. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm messing. <laughs> so, um, hey, it was a great conversation. Um, I enjoyed talking about that. I know it got heated at times, um, but 
I'm glad we uh, were able to vent and get this out and um, talk about it because I think this is important. We'll continue to talk about these type of issues because, like I said, this is church and this is fellowship. And I love doing this with you guys. I wish Lauren was here. I know she's going to be listening and be like, y'all just be doing, go ahead, do a step. (laughs) So, yeah, but um, it's all love. So we're going to go ahead and close it out. And as usual, we always go ladies first. So Rabbi, go on and just drop your gem. And after you drop it, we probably don't even need to say nothing after that. Uh, I'm going to make a shameless plug if it's okay with you. Go right ahead. Um, I wrote a book that will soon that'll be coming out at the end of this month. And it, it's actually uh, befitting that we're having this conversation. The title of the book is don't be afraid a letter to a black son. Our conversations with our children are just different. I have two sons. One is 26. And I remember when he was a little younger and just being able to stay out late I couldn't go to sleep at night until I knew he was home safe because what if he stopped for gas or what if he got a speeding ticket? You know, would they look at him and and just shoot him because he reached for his ID? You ask for it, they reach for it. And trying to have those conversations with keep your hands on the steering wheel, they can see him. If they ask for the ID, you know, ask them if it's okay if you get it. And we teach our children to yes, sir, no, sir, um, even when they're being disrespected themselves. And then trying to get the 11-year-old, who was a little younger, to understand all of these things that he's seeing, how to process what's happening. And is this just because we're black? It's a tough conversation to have. So having those conversations with my boys is what sparked this book. Maybe, just maybe, the conversations that I had with my kids can help somebody else have the conversation with their kids. Because we need to, they need to understand how we see them, how the world sees them, how other men will see them, how women will see them, how God sees them. And which of these visions will you take to define yourself? Perhaps by giving them all of this truth, maybe they survive like I hope they will to be old men and give me grandchildren. Maybe they will meet a fate like Dante Wright. But I will have the comfort in knowing that I did everything that I could to set them on the right path. That's the solution for my house. Everybody has to figure out What can I do right here where I am in this space? Because what we can do starts here, and maybe it'll ripple out globally. Good job. Good job, Rabbi. I love it. And we will definitely be supporting that book. Thank you. I'm definitely getting my copy. Signed. I told her it better be signed. Can I get a signature? Absolutely. Go ahead, V. Uh, My closing statement is... I always use this, use this example. Uh, think of a bow and arrow. Um, the farther you pull it back, the farther it will prepare forward. So even though it feels like you're going backwards, God is about to prepare you forward. So just, you know, in the mean and in between time, just keep doing you. You know what I'm saying? God ain't, ain't forgot about you. He ain't putting you in the back, back of the line. I always 
Matter of fact, I just talked to my old dude the other day. I said, sometimes you got to wait your turn. And your turn coming up. Just prepare for it. Good job, V. Now that he got back, he getting to the swing of it. They getting better and better. Look at him. Look at him. Go ahead, Steph. All right. Um, you know, I like to read the scripture. So it's uh, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3. Sorry about the water bottle. Uh, it says, uh, praise be to uh, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's extremely imperative that we focus in our relationship with God because we can't give what we don't have. So in order to give other people compassion and love and to have enough for that, even in times of struggle to where we don't um, act out in our own anger, it's important that we seek God because he can fill us with a peace that passes all understanding and the compassion enough that we can give to other people to us as a community can heal because we can't heal ourselves. Only we can be healed through God. So as long as we stay in that right position and continue to seek him, he'll give us all that we need. So that's it. Good job, Steph. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. You did your thing. Actually, all y'all did y'all thing. I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed um, the topic today. Y'all know I'm the militant one, and y'all make fun of me. Stephan, I'm still waiting on my coffee kofa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just going to um, close out, and I'm going to say this. Over the last year, we have seen that the church is just not the building, but it is a place where God is going to come and take away when he comes back and gets us. He's going to take a people, not a building. And we learn this through the pandemic because we didn't have the building to go to anymore. You mean the pandemic? <laughs> uh, we didn't have uh, that to do anymore. So because we didn't, we weren't meeting the, our, our church became each other calling one another checking on one another, loving one another, getting to know your neighbor, getting to know people next door to you, exchanging things. I have toilet paper. I don't have toilet paper. Can I get a couple of rolls? I have canned foods. I don't. Can I get a few? We begin to see what we could do when we begin to help one another. I hope as people begin to get vaccinated, vaccinated or not get vaccinated as the country begins to open and as things begin to go back to some type of normalcy that we don't go back to normal. This needs to be the season where we need to look at as a growing experience that we need to change the way we have been doing things. We need to get out of the bubble. The church, unfortunately, building has become a bubble of the four walls where we feel as though nothing that happens outside of these four walls affects us. Even though the people, when they walk out of the four walls have to deal with that world, we have to get out of the mindset of thinking that that does not affect us. We live in this world. We are not of it, but we are in it. And because we are in it, we are subject to the things that happen in this world. And because we're subject to it, we have to make sure that people are prepared, 
that they are knowledgeable and that they have an understanding. And secondly, strategy, strategy, strategy. We talked about it. We have to begin to put strategies in place that we can be able to come through. We have to have the 12 spies. And like me and Steph used to always say when we talked to each other, I'm looking for my, who am I looking for, Steph? We are well able. Oh, yeah, like the Caleb. We yes, are sir. well able yes, to take the sir. land. So when I look at that's what's going on. my middle name. Oh, I know. That's why, I, that's why I pointed to you. I thought you was going to catch it quicker. Uh, my bad. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But I'll just leave with this. When the 12 went in, only two saw that and thought that they can do it. Joshua and Caleb. When I look forward, I see an oppressive system. I see black people dying, brown people dying, and it looks like we cannot overcome this. But I believe that we are well able to do what God wants us to do, and we will do it. And at the end of the day, there's always going to be a little chaos, but God's community will come through. And with that being said, I just want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, Thank you and God bless.